there, Comic Clan, and welcome to Comics in the Cross, the greatest streamers you have never heard of. I, of course, I'm one of your hosts, Cross, and got a little guest with me today. What's Good. up? And, I, of course, I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Nitro, who's down below us today. How's it going? And we have the amazing opportunity of sitting down and speaking to comic book legend Sergio Cariello who is joining us today. Sergio, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure to be here with you guys. Yeah, so we're in the middle of a countdown and I get randomly handed a baby. Something has happened. <laughs> it was literally the last second. It was hilarious. Like literally 10 seconds to go <laughs> and something's gone on with my daughter. She's hurt herself. So my wife literally ran in here and had to drop a baby on my lap. So my youngest will be joining us. Baby Cross will be joining us for part of this today. So here's a baby and three, two, one, go. Yeah, because you know how technical issues always happen in this show. And the one day there isn't technical issues, we get someone else. We get another human. Yeah, he's cool. He's just vibing. He's chilling, man. He's chilling. But how is everybody doing? Welcome officially to our 50th episode of the podcast. Crazy. Uh, Nuts. Technically, technically a little bit more than that because we've done like yeah. co indie comic book clubs and we've done other events and stuff. The actual but, podcast. But the actual official podcast is episode 50 today. Um, and so we are so glad to be back with you all. I know we had a long hiatus there. Uh, I've seen a bunch of people in chat. Chunk, good to see you, sir. Ads, thank you for that sub. It's uh, yeah, got Sora and chat. We'll just ignore Sora. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't ignore him. He's speaking truth. So. No, no, he speaking never he never truth. speaks truth. What are you talking about? But yeah, thank you so much for everyone coming in today for our sit down talk with um, Sergio for today's um, podcast. This is going to be a blast today. Um, yeah. We got to chat a little bit with Sergio, if you were with us back in November now, which I can't believe it's even been that long ago since the event Crazy. happened, but uh, Nitro and I hosted the Christians in Comics and Animation uh, panel for Terminus Media, which Sergio was a part of, um, so it's just awesome to get to sit down and chat with him and just talk a little bit more about his life and his work in comics and just to delve a little bit deeper into that. Yeah. And um, yeah, awesome. thank you for joining us today, sir. Thank you for hanging out with us for a little bit. All right, man. I'm... Right on. But yeah, and um... sorry, I'm trying to balance a baby now, so this is going to get interesting. <laughs> You're, fine. You're fine. You're fine. All right, but yeah, I think we just delve straight in and just into the conversation and stuff. And um, there was one thing, one piece of news I did want to kind of throw out there and I wanted to get both of your opinions on this, Yeah. because it's a piece of news that I just found out about today apparently it came out a couple of days ago um, but with both of you being artists uh, I kind of want to get both of your input on something like this happening um, and it came out on one of the companies that Sergio has previously worked for as well so just to kind of get that input from you because it definitely seems like a yeah, you're giving your input. Um, but let me just uh, pull up the details. I've got it right here. Um, so this was regarding an artist at Marvel. Uh, I cannot find this stuff now. Hold on, I've saved the picture specifically and now they won't pull up. Um, yeah, so it was... Artist Greg Smallwood, 
who is currently working with Marvel and is currently working on the um, Electra Black, White and Blood book. Um, he's been working on that for a little bit, but it came out in the last couple of days that apparently the artwork that he submitted is not the artwork that was necessarily published, at least not as he put it in. Yeah. Um, if I can enlarge this picture a little. I don't have it on my computer because I literally just got this today, so... Like, this is the original artwork on a person's face that he did. Yeah. And then... The art that was actually published. Yeah, I saw that article. Minor changes. Not, like, massive changes to the artwork, but minor changes have been made and believed to be in an attempt to make it less stereotypically Asian. Seems mm -hmm. to be the way it's coming across. Um, Smallwood has an issue with this in the fact of, like, it was not his original art piece. Um, and then also the fact of Marvel really didn't give him much of a choice because um, he said, well, let's just push the book back until I can make changes because I've got other projects I'm still working on. I've got a baby that's on the way. I've got different stuff, you know. And they said, well, no, we can't stop it. Um, yeah. It's basically either it comes out as is um, or we'll make some minor changes to it. Yeah, you're going to cause issues, aren't you? Um but basically, I was wanting to get your guys' input in that because apparently he said, "No, no, it's fine. I'll make the changes in," and went to try and make the changes, submitted the changes to them, and they still didn't publish those changes that he sent in. They still decided to have someone else edit the work and publish it as is. How do you feel as artists, someone doing that to your work, especially being published at something like one of the big two, like Marvel? Or like just the fact of like you putting a piece of artwork out there and someone feeling that they've got the right or ability to edit and change that. Um, how does that feel for you guys as artists? It depends on what your understanding is from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I've done work for uh, Disney forward slash Marvel in which I knew from the beginning I would be penciling over layouts by someone else mm -hmm. and then another artist would do painting based on my pencils. Mm -hmm. And I did not get any credit, mm. but I got paid for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On your understanding of the project, you know, sometimes we work for a publisher regardless of who it is, that they have some directives from the management publishing deal of the company publisher that requires some restrictions as to how something should look. Yeah. If it is made for a Jewish audience, it's made for kids, etc., in which they may request the artist to change, to cover up uh, an arm, or to change the position of the head. And if they don't have time to do that, they have the, the right to change whatever suits their requirements for the publication. So, we are not uh, fine artists when we work for com comic book companies or publishers. 
We are hired, work for hire, to produce work. And we get paid to do something that has restrictions by art direction, by editorial management. And we, if we understand our position in that deal, then it's up to us to decide to go along with it or not. It depends also on your relationship with the publisher uh, in which if you are of high regard and you have a clout and you have a name and you think you are powerful enough to put down things you can with the understanding that you could lose your job mm -hmm. for that particular project. Yeah. But you can talk to editors. I don't like this. I don't like that. I, I, I would work around this, but I, I cannot accept this or that. So it, it all depends on a, on a, a number of different factors. It depends on the relationship that you have with the publisher, the power that you have as, a, as an artist uh, to the industry that you can put your foot down or not, and your need for a paycheck or not, and your understanding of how everything works. So you have to bite your tongue, follow your pride, put the tail be, be between your legs and yeah. say yes, submit, get paid, and go your merry way for the next project for different clients and stuff. But every project is different. Mm -hmm. If you're a fine artist, then you do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. If you're self-published, you do whatever you want. But if you're working for somebody, you must be uh, aware of the possibility that what you do today may not be accepted tomorrow mm -hmm. by the deciding team, art director mm -hmm. of the project and company, etc. And it's, it's up to you to know how strong you are to talk it over or how you're not that powerful. And if you try to change, they may say, well, we cannot accept it's either that or you find somebody else to do it. And then you have to decide, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll submit because I want to get paid. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, I'm not interested. I'll get something else because I'm busy enough. I don't need this. Mm -hmm. So all that has to be taken, care, taken into consideration. That's interesting to hear, um, hear your take on that. Cause there's this kind of dovetails into a different conversation. Um, where like for instance the falcon and winter soldier series that came out um and even the use of the winter soldier in film and movies like um there was a, there was a there was a ton of conversation online about ed brubaker not getting credit basically for the live action adaptation of that them using his character or not his character but the character that he kind of stewarded and, cre and helped create and the same thing with uh david aha as well with with hawkeye and the matt fraction series that just came out with the hawkeye show there's a there's a lot of conversation recently that's been um, revolving around that type of like creator owned type content versus like a studio owning it. So yeah, but I think that is a really interesting point that you're bringing up for that Sergio. And it's something that like it almost flies in the face of what we expect in today's culture, which is very much a case of like that you know you shouldn't be doing this because I worked on this and I did this and you know especially with artists have got the right to put their stuff out there and it's like. Yeah, but you're working at Marvel. Basically the number one comic publisher in the world and you go into a job there knowing you don't really keep the rights to anything. Mm -hmm. You know, like even the characters you create or anything that you create from scratch is owned by them. It's never something that you get to keep and work on and create. And 
And the honest truth is, it's the same with any big job that you work on, whether it's as an artist or whether it's any everyday job. Like if you're working for a big enough company, and you're putting out a product, they have the right to change that because it's their product. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. It's like this is Marvel's product; it's their thing of Electra, and if they're concerned about the artwork, in this case, concerned that it's, and it's a concern that a big company sh- should be taking on board, then I'm glad that at least considering it. Because it's them looking at something and going, is this something that's going to get viewed as an Asian stereotype of a drawing? And that was the reason for the changes being made. And whether or not it was right that they made those changes, I'm glad they're at least asking the question. Because there was a long time when, because like talking about race and talking about and gender equality and transsexual you know, rights and all this different stuff has become such hot button topics now that they're questions that everybody is wanting these big companies to ask so at least they're they're looking at it and trying to make decisions based on what they feel is right and i can't really fault marvel on that but yeah it's like but even at the end of the day yeah that's a really interesting input of like well yeah it's their product if they want to change it they can they yeah for example joe kubrick for instance mm-hmm. when he dealt with different publishers, Marvel, DC, or the Italians, he dealt with them differently depending on the project. Mm-hmm. Certain projects for Marvel Comics, he could say to an editor, this is unacceptable, I cannot do it unless it is my way. But for the Italians, he chose to submit and change something that he did for the Italians for uh, Sergio Bonelli uh, text. They requested him, please do not show the skin of this woman uh, at the river with some clothes on her. And he complied. He, he changed. He, they also asked him, please do not do your, uh, your your style of narrative in which you have inserts and you have long panels going top to bottom and then panels stringing off from it in that American style that you're so used to doing in DC and Marvel, please do only tiers of boxes because the Italians will not understand. And he complied to that. Yeah. Um, so it, it depends on who it is that you're working for, how much you care for a job, uh, how much you care for a paycheck from the, the job. So there are many different factors in it. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's really interesting as well. Just like that, like you know, you know, Joe Kubrick obviously a big influence on you and going to Joe Kubrick school and everything. It's it's great to hear stories of him, but like yeah, being challenged by that of like, hey, this thing that you do for American audience, that's great for American audiences, but yeah, they are probably not going to work for the Italian audiences, so we're going to have to make these changes and again they've got the right to do that and it's honestly it's like we get this weird thing when it comes to entertainment i think we get this weird sort of conclusion with entertainment of that we get a say yeah and that everyone's got an equal say over everything of like you see people freaking out about movies and tv shows going in directions people like why did they do that why did they make that choice and it's like well you can be upset about it or not if you want but at the end of the day it's their choice to make that yeah Right, and in the case of the Italian comic that I mentioned, the text for Sergio Bonelli that Joe Kubert did work for, he did not need their job, you know, something that they really wanted him to do it. 
Mm-hmm. He didn't have time to really spend time on it. So it took him seven years to do. And to the point that he offered to stop, return all the, the money, and they would hire someone else. And they said, no, no, we want you to finish. Mm-hmm. Take as you need. Because he was editing, he was drawing, he was running a school. He didn't have time for tax solely. He was busy with everything else yeah. on top of the Western that they offered him to do. So he decided to comply, but he didn't have to. He didn't need the, the job. But he had a good relationship with Sergio and with the members of the team that put together that project. So they had a special relationship that changes everything. Um, so it depends on all those factors. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I said, like, looking through in that lens, it honestly does kind of change my initial reaction to the story as well. Because my initial reaction, like, as an outsider and as someone who is absolutely awful at art and who'd never be in this situation, um, was kind of like, well, yeah, it's like if he's submitting this stuff and it's like, well... And then even if he's offering to change it and make changes to it, and they're kind of like, no, it's like we're just going to do this. It's like, well, how do you, how dare you? That's you know he's done this for you and he's willing to make the changes and everything. It's like, well, yeah, it's like I can understand his offense at it, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, they're allowed to say that. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to make that choice it's and their characters. Yeah. Yeah. For example, I I just recently purchased the. A huge Spider-Man book that's printed in a way that it feels like it was uh, a newsprint from the the sixties comic book, mm. and it's a very thick book, you know, about this thick and really big. And I learned something new about the the history of Spider-Man, in which uh, Stan Lee, when he proposed the story to the main guy at Marvel at the time in the sixties. The the boss of Marvel back then didn't like the idea of a nerd, wimpy, being bullied by school kids, having a weak look, feel to it, a spider. Everybody hates spiders. What do you mean a spider, man? Uh, so everything that the guy was against was the reason why Spider-Man was successful. Mm-hmm. The guy thought, no. Marvel Comics, we need a superhero like Thor, like Captain America, it's strong. We don't need a weak, nerd, uh, off-the-wall kid who has problems like everybody else. But it's that, that's exactly what makes Planet Man successful. Yeah. yeah. The edition in which uh, Spider Man was published was to publish the story in another book, in a, in a backstory. Mm. Okay, let's do it in a backstory so people can see it, what they do don't want and then it, it dies there mm-hmm. but it had a totally the opposite reaction people wanted spider-man because mm-hmm. now relate to a to a hero that was like them weak yeah. problems catching a cold having problems with the family and friends uh being misunderstood by uh social media or the newspaper of the time yeah people loved spider-man for what it was yeah so the boss the, the, the guy who wanted the changes or didn't want at all, he had to, to bow down to public demand. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We want Spider-Man the way it is. Yeah. So everything is dependent on acceptance, leadership, and the willingness of the art team to go along with it. No, absolutely. And I think that's a really interesting point as well. Like, And that is an amazing story. Like Hearing that story from Stan Lee when he told that about that Spider-Man was literally creating a character that flew in the face of everything that the creators were saying they should put out, that Marvel was saying, like, yeah, we should put this character out. It's like, no, this is yeah. nothing that people will want, and yet everyone latched onto it. You know, and it's like... And I think that's the thing, is, like, it's really hard to make calls on stuff like that as well. Yeah. Because, like, you, you never know. Because, like, that guy could have been completely right. Like, people could have completely just went, no, that character's awful, we don't like him. You know, right. and we'd never would have heard of Spider-Man ever again. It never would have been done, and... Instead, he's became one of the most, one of the biggest, one of the most popular superheroes in the world Ever. in history. He's yeah. part of pop culture, let alone you know, for comic fans and superhero fans. It's yes, but at the same time, yeah, it's you take a gamble on this stuff, and not every time did they make the right call on it. You know, yeah. I mean, they're still making movies about him. You know, sixty years later, almost. Yeah, <laughs> arguably one of the biggest superhero movies ever just dropped at the end of last year focused on Spider-Man and the popularity of Spider-Man for the last couple of decades, you know. I'm pretty sure it just beat Avatar box office. So it's literally the highest grossing movie ever made. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's insane. Like and yeah, and the, the idea uh, uh, springs new ideas. Yeah. Cuz you have different Spider-Mans, you have different settings, different universes that in the beginning, I was against uh, creating new Spider-Mans, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's like a nice story is always a nice story, even if it's similar and not the same. Mm-hmm. There's enough people that want to see something different, and if you're willing to make it, and you're hiring people to do it, why not? Yeah, like uh, the Lone Ranger movie. Uh, a lot of people hate it. And a lot of people loved it. Yeah, I, as I drew the Lone Ranger, the, the I'm talking about the uh, Johnny Depp uh, Lone Ranger. Yeah, uh, the Johnny Depp and Army uh, Hammer one. Yeah, that's a movie, but it's not the Lone Ranger that I drew. It's not. It's based on the Lone Ranger, but it's not the Lone Ranger that I yeah. that I that I learned that I that I lived with for one year. Uh, yeah. So people say, "Oh, they should not make it." No, why not? I mean, it's a movie. It's a, it's a it's a great movie for what it is. Not the Lone Ranger, but it's a good idea based on yeah. the Lone Ranger. Absolutely, and I think we're in that kind of part in culture as well now, where like people are like are doing reimaginings of stuff that they grew up and loved, yeah. and we're getting that. Like the Lone Ranger is a, a perfect example of that. Like you said, you know, like the movie we got with Army Hammer and Johnny Depp is completely different from the Lone Ranger that you wrote about for Dynamite Entertainment. It's also going to have differences to the original Lone Ranger TV show, you know, that used to be on TV. There's going to be differences to that. And if, I'm pretty certain if they've made the, the movie more like the original idea, they would have made a very, very much, way more successful movie. Mm-hmm. And because they changed so much the, 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 the idea, uh, they fell short. Yeah, 
yeah. to the big audience. Because, you know, like, like, I, like I said before, you know, uh, a public uh, demand dictates if a book gets canceled or if a book continues or if derivatives of the book and you have different titles based on the book because of demand. And if uh, the publisher producers understand what the public wants, um, they should get, they should give them what they want and not force something because they think they should get this and they don't know what they want. So we got to give them something that they should watch instead of giving them that they want to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that comes down to that balance of you know trying to give people something that they're going to enjoy and they're going to want to watch and you know that something that's in line with what they would like to see but then again there's so many times i've seen a film or read a book or read a comic that was nothing like what i had in mind and i ended up absolutely loving it and because it caught me off guard as well and yeah i think it's one of those things like entertainment's that really interesting world of you can hit and miss so easily yeah, especially comic books. But general rule uh, to this: um, if if you're making a movie about a character that is very successful, chances are you will do better if you were faithful to the idea and not yeah. change it. Literally, the first thing that jumps to mind there for that is, and I wonder how many people will agree with it, is uh, when they try to redo Ghostbusters. Yes. Like, just look at the the difference in response. Like, uh, following Ghostbusters two when they made the the all female reboot and the backlash that it got, compared to like Ghostbusters Afterlife, which just came out, which has been like, which was, has been like heralded as this amazing like return to form for the franchise. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it 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 was night and day because everyone just looked at this thing that was placed in front of them with the reboot and went, no, that is not what we want. Yeah. Not even a little. This. Yeah. Whereas, like, they redone it for Afterlife, and yet it fit exactly what everyone was wanting, even though it was telling a brand new story in a brand new way. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's like people like it's just really interesting how different interpretations can just go down so differently. Another one that pops into my head is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, the the Michael Bay ones that I think mm. Michael Bay did them, right? The ones that came out like five, yeah. five six years ago. I am not going to lie, I literally forgot those were a thing for a minute. You're like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, and like, oh, they were okay, and you're like, the Michael Bay ones, like, I completely yeah. blocked them out of my mind for a minute, it's I'm like, not going to lie. <laughs> nobody was asking for those, and they just went a completely different direction uh, than, than the origins. Like, no, I'm not even talking about the comics, I'm just talking about the original cartoons. Yeah. That that story that everybody has grown to love and know, um, and the, the personalities of the turtles and stuff like that. So yeah, there was a reason why Bill Watterson decided not to franchise his um, uh, Calvin and Hobbes and Charlie Brown. Also, he mm-hmm. said, "When I die, it dies with me." Yeah, about uh, uh, Charlie Schultz, uh, right? Yeah, uh, Charles Schultz, yeah. Understood what it meant to keep within the vein of the idea. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it keeps selling, the reruns mm-hmm. keep selling over and over and over and over again because it works. Um, 
So if you change too much, um, you're not pleasing the, the audience that uh, liked the, the original idea. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and those are great examples. Like, um, like you know, Charles Schultz's, like, Peanuts is an like, amazing example. Like, every, like, season, the DVDs are re-released. Like, you walk through any store and the DVDs are on sale and they're on TV. And it's these same movies are still as popular as ever. Yeah, yeah. But then they, they did do that. part of our tradition. And then they did do that yeah. new Peanuts movie a few years ago. But it was done in the the heart of what Charles Schultz wanted it to be. Yeah. It really felt like a story that fit into the world that was there. It wasn't like this modern retelling of Charlie Brown because, you know, we need that. Um but you know, same with Calvin and Hobbes. Like Calvin and Hobbes is this amazing story that everyone knows. Everyone knows who Calvin and Hobbes are. Everyone knows this yeah. little boy and his tiger and these amazing stories and it's like and they're just as popular as ever. Like even in social media they they pop up in Facebook and Instagram and everything like yeah. little just little like comic strips of them. Like every so often I'll just uh, come across my newsfeed randomly. Like they're still getting passed about and shared and they're still as popular today but it's because they've stuck to this is what people love about them. And exactly. I think that's some of the issues we run into with some of these other franchises is people like take over them. And I, I'll believe a lot of these people do it with the best intentions. But at the same time it's like even though it's done with the best intentions, like there's certain things that happen where you're like you don't fully understand what you're doing with the franchise and what it represents. Yeah. You know, not everything needs a modern gritty retelling of it. Agreed. Although in saying that with Calvin and Hobbes, we literally had David Peppos on the, the show who who'd done a gritty retelling of Calvin and Hobbes and it was actually amazing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like it's... Yeah, there's some amazing stuff out there and there's a reason. Oh. Yeah. Comic book characters and comic strip characters, they're not like cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have to invent them every year. Yeah. No, exactly. absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we are going to get into some... I love 30s and 40s and uh, I love those cars I mean and they're, they're worth millions yeah absolutely absolutely um, so we're going to dive in a little bit with more stuff with Sergio um, as part of what our new stuff that we're doing on the channel um, I'm trying to run specific ads throughout the show so that people don't get ads when they come in the stream and get straight into the conversation here um, so we are actually due for an ad so I'm going to take a short 90 second break to run an ad please stick around if you're subbed to the channel you won't see the ad anyway and um, but we'll be right back once i roll that so give me one second guys hey everyone you should all be back with us now the ad should have ran properly and let us know if that worked like it went to the be right back screen and you saw the ad or it always went to the be right back screen and came back hopefully that all worked out fine and um, thank you for like sticking around with us as well Oh, well, Geeks, you wouldn't have seen it, um, LJ, because it's like you're subbed to the channel. Um, any subs wouldn't have seen the ad, they'll have just seen the Be Right Back screen. Um, but yeah, the whole point of running these ads like this now is because uh, in looking at stuff for the channel, it was basically found that people who come into a Twitch channel that aren't subbed automatically get a pre-roll ad. And it's about a 50-50 chance that someone coming into a new stream will actually stick to the end of that ad and stick around in the channel. 
to see your actual content before judging if they're going to stay or move on. Um, so literally there's a, a perspective of we're losing about 50% of a potential audience just by them getting pre-roll ads. Whereas like if we do it during the show, I've got a timer up here that tells me when we run out of that pre-roll and when it's time to run another ad and I can run them at our timing. So basically for the next 30 minutes, everyone in chat, regardless of being subbed or not, is going to get to see the show and get to see the conversation as soon as they come in. Yeah. Um, and they don't have to worry about that. And then those that are subbed, kind of like what LG is saying in chat, those that are subbed don't get it anyway. You, you won't see it. You'll see the be right back screen for 90 seconds and then we're back in. So think of it more like kind of like a radio show. You're getting an ad break yeah. in the middle of the, of the talk instead of something else. So... But thank you for everyone hanging general. about with us as we test this out to see if this actually works. Yeah. Yeah, this is it's a brand new thing for us. Mm. I think it makes sense, though. It makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Like, it, it makes sense. Like, I've done that. I've clicked on Twitch streams and the ads have been on, and I'm like, ah, oh, like, yeah, it's yep. not worth it. Especially if it's yeah. just like, I want to check this channel out, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's not worth hanging about for. And I'm like, yeah, just get it out the road. Um. But yeah, so now that we're kind of back from our commercial break, as apparently we've got commercial breaks now, and <laughs> I want to take the chance to kind of go in a different direction and start actually talking to you, Sergio, about your life and about growing up and um, kind of delve into, I want to start off, just how you got into doing comics, because your story of how you got into like doing comics is just so interesting to me. Like You were like essentially getting published work at like age 11 I believe it was that's right yes with your with your first one so tell us how you got into like comics how you got into your love of comics what made drew you to comic and art and wanting to go down that path and how you ended up having a published piece on a weekly basis from the age of 11 to 14 yeah and how that came around yeah <clears throat> I, I like to look at my a journey as a journey that is not uh, in itself inspired uh, only and exclusive, exclusively, exclusively <laughs> uh, from me, from Sergio. But I, I like to uh, look at my journey as a a life that in, is. Uh, is inspired by someone higher than Sergio, that thought of Sergio, that designed Sergio, created him with the intent in mind. The same with my characters. When I draw something, uh, I have an intent for that character. I have a desire that the character uh, goes into and goes through such story and challenges whether the script is given to me or it came from my mind. So I am a result of somebody else's mind mm -hmm. that thought of me. And just like I look at nature, uh, I love walking my, my dog and, and exploring with him, with her. Um, squirrels, birds, animals that pop up here and there depending on the time of the day. And each of those animals, they have different traits and different characteristics and desires and skills and hunting yeah. 
of or habits of singing or not uh, and doing their own thing because they were designed to do what they do. Mm-hmm. They no, they did not evolve. Mm-hmm. They were created with an intent. They intelligently designed and created, and I was designed and intelligently, intelligent, intelligently created with a purpose. So, because of that, I just followed my journey as it was intended for me to follow. Uh, so it sprung from someone else beyond me, but it came out in the right time. To desire to draw, desire to read, desire to watch cartoons, desire to draw from animation, from Disney, from comics, from TV series, Fred Flintstones and stuff. So a creative child is uh, very intent and watching and and observing cartoons and observing comics and drawings and nature and things and world and a desire strong desire that comes from within because of that intelligent design and purpose to draw on surfaces to use tools available to them and they they don't have any other choice on the matter but do what they're supposed to do yeah Mm -hmm. so that's the way i look at me i it's not like, oh, I'm by myself thinking about the, my selections. Okay, I want to do this. No, I'm 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 not by myself. I was never by myself. I was never alone. I was always a part of a plan. I was always a part of a design and a script. I was always a part of something bigger than me that had to happen. That's the way I I, I look at myself. You can look at yourself the way you want, but that's the way I I, I look at myself, and I like it. It makes me feel important, uh, because I am. It makes me feel with a purpose, because I have. So I woke up to this world already wanting to do what I'm supposed to do. When I was five, I told my parents I want to be a cartoonist, because I knew I wanted to do that, because it came from within. Yeah, that's awesome. And to to create, you know, and I was published at 11 because it had to happen. Yeah. Uh, that's the way I look at it. Um, so that takes the responsibility off, off, off of me a little bit, but it doesn't take the responsibility completely out of me because I still have to respond mm-hmm. to that uh, inner uh, aspiration. Yeah. And... Just like a bird cannot do anything but sing, he will not bark. You can try. Bird, bark. He won't. He will sing. And my dog, he does not sing. He barks. Yeah. You know, and a squirrel will not move the way the, the armadillo moves. He moves a certain way. Mm-hmm. So they, all the creatures that God created, they have, uh, they're amazing. Yeah. They're, yeah, 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 I'm in awe of uh, Jesus' creativity because I know that nothing that exists exists apart from Jesus Christ. He is the one, uh, the name above all names, and everything is under his feet. No matter how how much you mock him and disregard and don't believe in him, to me, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is my boss. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the the first one 
and the last one. And nothing was created apart from him. I believe that. So everything is connected. Everything is connected, like the force. Yeah. You know? And it is inspired. Um, it's uh, interesting. And Superman is inspired by God, and superheroes and villains are inspired by God, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Even John's music and all the good music is inspired by, by God. <laughs> Symphonies and orchestra uh, and all the beauty that people create, regardless of their uh, awareness, they are imitating something that came above them and before them. So we, 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 we do it because we must do it, you know. Uh, so I, at 11, I was creating because I had the opportunity and I did it because I had to do it. And, and I, I loved uh, reading Spider-Man, Batman, Captain America, Incredible Hulk, the, the Avengers, uh, Namor, and Asterix, and other European and Brazilian and French, uh, because in Brazil we had all translated from other countries. So I was exposed to different genres. So I, I was not stuck in superhero mode. I was I was um, exposed to various styles and various uh, creativities um, that they were very diverse uh, in, in style and genre and story and that that inspired me so much to create my own thing and become involved uh, as a teenager into it not as much when I was a kid because then I had other interests uh, girls school and, and uh, bodybuilding and, and guitar and church and camp and, and stuff but um uh, I, I I could not help but draw on bulletins draw on notebooks when I went to school draw on stuff and and always attracted to that mm -hmm. and when I saw the Joe Kubert school ad I knew that was a school for me I just knew it in my heart I my my head I I, I had the chills down my spine and a conviction that I cannot explain other than knowing that I had to go through that school yeah. I was part of the journey. And again, connected. And God created circumstances. Knowing someone, to know someone, to know someone, to know someone. Everything connected. If you look at my story, uh, there's no way there are coincidences. There's no way there are God incidents. Uh, in, uh, uh, and everything worked together for my good. Because I was called according to a purpose. Mm -hmm. And... So I had to go through the Cuba school. I had to go through um, uh, Caliber Press because my brother did something for Caliber. I was already here, and he didn't have time to do a story. And he said, "My brother's in there. Why don't you call him to do it?" And I did, and, and, I, and, I, and I worked on the story for, for Caliber Press as my my first American publication. Uh, the H.P. Lovecraft. They're gone, and that helped me in the Cuba school because I was working for caliber and it, it got me exempt from a, a homework from some structures because I was already drawing, penciling, inking, lettering uh, uh, a comic book and that helped me uh, through my journey and everything together, everything in its time and all the pieces of the puzzle, they're all connected and I cannot see it any other way. I cannot, I cannot take the blame or the, 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 the merit for everything I, I've achieved uh, because I believe there's some force behind it 
that called me and made it happen. Uh, and of course, I had to respond to that. So I have a responsibility to respond to a call. Um, and that's how it happened, you know. Absolutely. So, your brother, your brother. Just to kind of go back to something you said, your brother was also uh, is is also a comic book illustrator currently, right? Is that correct? Yes, and he's an instructor for school in in, in São Paulo, Brazil. So, what was that like growing up? So, so I I grew up and nobody in my family was creative at all. I mean, I don't want to say not creative, but nobody was in the arts at all. So, but like like you said, I had like a drive. There was like a driving passion. Like I had to draw. I had to. I had to paint. I had to do something creative at all times when I was growing up. So how was that like growing up with someone that was like equally as creative as you? So you could kind of like feed off each other. Was that was that cool? Was that a cool experience? It was great. That was yeah. great because we worked. Um, we were encouraged to each other to draw and create. So we had the simulation of um, I don't think we knew anything about competition, but we wanted to draw. Yeah. We walked together through various um, comic book um, stands. We, we didn't have comic book stores. We had, um, when you go to New York, you know, you know the, the, the magazine stands? Yeah. That's what we had in Brazil. Okay. Gotcha. We had many of those that sold the comics. Too. So we walked together on foot throughout many places uh, seeking for comics and books and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were together uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, we're not apart from each other in the creative uh, process from the beginning until I moved out of the country. Yeah. That's awesome. Can you talk? Can you talk a little bit about the? I know the um, the Joe Kubert School played a huge part uh, in your life because you were there both as a as a student and as a teacher. Later, right. Right. Can you yes. talk a little bit about that? Like, what was it like enrolling in that school? Like, what was the what was the biggest thing that kind of hit you when you when you enrolled at that school as a student? Like from an artistic perspective. Well, from an artistic perspective, I only went to the Kubert School because of because of Joe Kubert. He was my interest. Um, and because of comic books, uh, not animation and not graphic arts in general for advertising, but for comics. Mm -hmm. And being yeah, a big fan of Joe Kubert, I loved the idea of being there in a, in a building that Joe Kubert was in it. Yeah. <laughs> and the ability to talk to him, the ability to, to, to show my work and to see his work and to see him working and to talk to him and ask questions and learn from him. Even though I, I, I didn't have him as, a, as, as an official instructor for the first year mm -hmm. and second year, by the time I joined the Cuba school, he was only teaching third year. Mm -hmm. But that didn't stop me from learning from Joe and, and having meetings with Joe constantly mm -hmm. because I made it happen. Yeah, Just sit in my little space um, I, I was very bold and very uh, unashamed of making things happen. Yeah. I would knock on, on, on his door. I would ask him to talk to him. I, and he was constantly open to show me and to open up not only for me, 
to me, but to many of my classmates that complained that not we don't have Joe. I said, and I, I proposed to Joe, Joe, can you spend a few hours with us the first year since we don't have you? Can you spend some time with us? We have so many questions to you and yeah. to see your work. And Joselle, if you get a, a you know a, a sign in of twenty students, I'll do it. But please tell what you want to talk about, who you want to see that, that I drew, whatever. And we all felt uh, we had more than twenty people. And Joe stayed with us after work, a- after school hours, until four o'clock one Monday. And I had my my video camera, and I recorded that, and I posted on YouTube. I have six chapters of that. It's not the best recording because it was horrible tool and no microphone, nothing professional. But man, I love doing that, and I think it's priceless. And 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 it was a, the best time of, of my life as a cartoonist to 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 learn from the master for in a few hours just by uh, being there. But after that, becoming an instructor, I constantly visited his office. Uh, constantly was in contact. I had lunch with him and other instructors. I made sure I stayed in, in uh, having lunch with him and others to meet the man behind. Um, and we had meetings with the instructors at Joe's office while Joe was drawing something. And I sat, uh, whenever I had the meeting there, I always sat where I could see Joe, Joe's uh, uh, desk and see what he was working on. Yeah. And the, 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 the meeting was over. I always stayed with Joe a little bit to um, learn from him and ask and, and absorb like a sponge. Yeah. I worked with Joe uh, on his uh, correspondence courses, helping him uh, critique stuff. I, I worked with Joe in the Army magazine that he worked for, drawing um, for him, cleaning up for him. Uh, so I worked over Joe's thumbnails. I worked over Joe's uh, uh, methods of corresponding with uh, students from all over the world. And I had a constant um, access to Joe either by going to his office, constant, I mean, not every day, but every at, at least once a week, I, w- I would knock on his door. Mm-hmm. Uh, even after uh, moving to Florida, I could call Joe anytime and he would talk to me on, over the phone. Wow. That's, that's just phenomenal. I mean, that's an amazing person to kind of have just on, you know, speed dial that you can reach out to still even following that, having him having been such a massive influence on you while you were at the school and then still been able to tap into that, that's phenomenal. Yeah, and not and not to minimize all the structures that I had and which I learned a lot from too. I love the environment, not only from Joe Kewitt, but from all the other instructors and all the other students. A lot of creative minds together in a building is always good. Something good comes out of creative minds put together in a, in a, in a, in a room for a few hours over a few years, you know, something good comes out of it. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome to go to a school, whatever that is, where you have other people that are creative like you are, and you're working together on something, mm-hmm. and you, you, you're learning by osmosis, by just uh, friendly competition. And then because of the connections, you also get to know 
editors, they get to know other professionals that are working and visiting the school. And then you go to visit Frank Frazetta, see Frazetta's work hand-to-hand, see Frazetta face-to-face, uh, Boris Vallejo, see him, talk to him, shake his hand, uh, talk to um, uh, the Hildebrand brothers and uh, the guys who created uh, Ninja Turtles, uh, all the creative people that come and then because of it, you get to uh, work with uh, conventions and then you meet. And then I worked at Marvel Comics bullpen and I met Joe, John Buscema. I met uh, John Romita, worked with John Romita Sr. Um, having all that that Joe Kubert and the environment of comics uh, allowed me to get entangled with was phenomenal. It, it still is. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of like you're saying there, like where you ended up getting into the bullpen and stuff, it was from the Joe Kubert school. You eventually got the opportunity to work with Marvel. Uh, I believe it was as a ghost letter um, for one of the books over there. And so how did that come about that you ended up going into working with Marvel and the bullpen and started that kind of chapter? When I was a kid, I, 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 I've always learned to create the whole comic. Pencils, inks, and letters. Mm-hmm. When I did Dagon, I was already penciling, inking, and lettering Dagon for Caliber Press. Wow. Hi Eisman, who created Popeye, was my lettering instructor. Just taught me how to letter even better. So I became a good letter. Uh, Marvel Bullpen offered a job at, at the bullpen as a le- ghost lettering. Uh, and that's what got me in because my lettering was good. Mm-hmm. So I took my lettering assignment to Regina Romita, John Romita's wife. She was the boss for the lettering bullpen and she hired me on the spot. Wow. Um, so I, I had I, I had the, the privilege of working on all the Marvel books um, by being a ghost letter. We learned how to letter like every official letterer uh, so we we didn't have any credit, but we learned so much by being there and fixing stuff and having access to to John uh, uh, Romita Senior. Sergio, can you explain what a ghost letter is? Yeah, the ghost letter is um, or used to be the the guys. Uh, there are a bunch of us. So, with all the Marvel comics, we. Uh, they shuffled the books among all the ghost letters. This month, me and other letters will work on such books, and the other group will work on the other books, etc. So we have to learn, we had to learn how to letter like Jim Novick, uh, Chris Aliopoulos, uh, Janice Cheyenne, um, all of the letters, all of the official letters got the credit on the books. We had to learn how to letter like them. Mm. So we were ghosts for them. Because when the books come in, they uh, sometimes the editors want to change a script, want to subtract, uh, replace a, a word, create a logo, whatever it is that the book needs before it goes out. We ghost letters jump in to do all the corrections needed. So each book will have a different official letterer 
So we never get credit, but the corrections are done in a way that the reader cannot see that was fixed because the ghost letters helped the lettering to remain uh, as if one guy did it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's what we, ghost letters. And we had so much work that we took lettering to work uh, home and also paste up some mechanicals the, that we learned at the Q school was handy that we had to uh, take pages to glue balloons to the board but because there was no digital uh, format yet. So we had to use rubber cement, white out, and, and actually paste stuff. I, had, I took so much stuff <clears throat> home that I would hire subcontract friends to work for me to do not only the, the work that I had to do during the day, That's but so crazy. pages that I would bring home, um, and I couldn't do it on, on my own, so I had other people to uh, work for me. And, uh, it was fun, a lot of, a lot of learning uh, experience. That's phenomenal. Uh, just quickly want to shout out um, in the radio thank you so much to Carson Lee for that raid to the channel and bringing your community over to us thank you for coming yes, and hanging out with us it. and Sergio um, to answer questions yes this is Sergio Cariello the artist of the action Bible as well as the Marvel stuff that I've thrown up on screen there and with DC um, uh, amazing phenomenal artist um, and thank you for coming out and hanging out with us to come and chat with Sergio today so thank you Carson for bringing them over but yeah, that's that's absolutely in crazy that there was so much kind of work going on that you were able to almost like have your own team <laughs> working on stuff <laughs> within the team that you were working in. It's like that's that's absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, that's that's phenomenal because I've heard you talking about doing the ghost lettering job before when you were um, we had you on the panel previously, and you know I remember you saying that like nobody else was like really wanted to take them up on the offer to go and do it and i'm like yeah because that's crazy you know, like to me to me in my head that's crazy because i'm like it's working yeah, for marvel it's a foot it, in the door at marvel it's like why wouldn't you you know yeah because in their minds they they were they went to the cuba school to become uh pencilers mm -hmm. uh artists with credit so they mm -hmm. didn't they didn't think that larry was something that they wanted to do. They 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 wanted to continue, or oh, their dream of becoming the stars of the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I saw it as an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what if I, I had thought it as. It's like that's why I find it so crazy. Like you know, it's janitorial job at Marvel. I will take it. Yeah, I mean that's it. It's like at the end of the day, like you're not getting credited for the lettering, but you're working with Marvel. Like that yeah. can only be a good step oh, in the right in direction, the you know. <laughs> had access to uh, John Buscema's uh, artwork. I had access to um, all of the professionals' pages, yeah. original pages, right in front of me. I could make copies of everything I wanted and take it home. I, 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 I had copy. I have tons of copies that I collected. That's insane. That's, uh, that's... and that's the original. That's amazing, like, just to, just, like, I think that was the thing, like, reading, like, kind of your bio and stuff, and, like, to be in the bullpen, like, for me alone, just, like, you hear so many stories about the Marvel bullpen, just to be there, and, and amidst all these amazing creators, like, that, 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing to me, like, just to have would, that access. Yeah, I would see the Alex Ross original pages painted uh, and have access to them. Oh, my I, goodness. I, <laughs> yeah, I had access to Joe Kubert's uh, original tour pages. I have one stack over here uh, that's oh. from the original. Um, oh my gosh. So I was working with the books, and and you learn so much when 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 you when you see behind the, the scenes yeah because um when you see the published work is one thing but when you visit norman walkwell's uh, gallery for example mm -hmm. uh you see the strokes you see the uh the paint pop up from the paper uh, i see all the the rough organic stuff yeah mm -hmm. uh, glued together in that in that paper it's totally different than, than seeing the published work. Same goes with the comic book pages. When you look at the the, the cutouts, the we the the whiteouts, the, the 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 all the fixes, all the corrections on the original, and you and you smell the ink and you smell the the rubber cement of the lettering, and you see and you work on the original, and 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 you're working with a guy, Jeremy the senior to see him working, to see him drawing Spider-Man there in front of you. Uh, that, that's priceless. I mean, this, you, can't, you, can't, you can't get a better job if your dream of becoming in the world of comics. Uh, so to me, it was a no-brainer. Oh, man, I'll, I'll take this job. Yeah. And I quit school for the job. <laughs> because to me, in my head, the Cuban school, as much as great as it was, it was a means to an end. Mm -hmm. a means to learn to do comics then to leave the school and do comics yeah but it was already working for marvel comics in my mind i didn't need the joe cuba school anymore yeah it's, it's almost like the change of like studying to do the job you want and then do you do that or do you do like an apprenticeship and get the hands-on experience like if you're already in there getting that experience and yeah. working with marvel and like you don't necessarily need that anymore, like the right. school to teach you anymore, because like I'm where I need to be oh. and I'm learning while I'm there. Like you're yeah. not going to get much of a better teacher than being in the Marvel bullpen. Yeah, like, and to <laughs> made the right decision. Yeah, is that even though Joe Cuban didn't like it that I quit, he hired me to teach there. Which just blows my mind. Like technically, a Joe Kubrick school dropout essentially that went and worked <laughs> with Marvel, and then. When you then came back to the school, wasn't to complete your course, was to teach. Like that's phenomenal. I love it. Show you that I learned more uh, in a seven years teaching than my two years as a student. Wow, that's awesome. That so is... in a way, what is a diploma, yeah. and who cares for a diploma? Exactly. Tell me in your life, can I see your diploma before I give you work? Never. Yeah, no. Show me the pages. Can you draw? Show me the pages. I don't care about the diploma. Mm -hmm. So comics is totally different than being a doctor or being a lawyer. Uh, stuff that my father wanted me to do, and I didn't. Uh, so I loved doing what I do, and I still do love what I do. I have I have so many I have so many questions just bouncing around in my brain, just from a creative creative standpoint um uh, before you jump into those nigel if yeah, we can yeah. just take another ad break just to kind of yeah, yeah. break stuff up and then we come back we'll head into your questions and then i want to change tracks to the other of the big two and how we made that 
jump from working with Marvel to eventually working with DC. Um, but we'll come back with your questions, Nitro. Guys in the chat, if you um, came in with Karsten or any of the new viewers, uh, we're trying to stop pre-roll ads so people can come in and get the content right away. So we're going to do a quick 90 second ad break just to kind of knock that off for the next 30 minutes. While that's up, if you um, aren't are sub to the channel and won't see that, I'm going to throw up an original art piece from Sergio that he did for the panel we did back in November. Just to, so you can have a look yourself and make the decision of did he make the right choice between you know diploma and experience, and we'll be right back in about ninety seconds, guys. Hey, we are back, Comic Land. Thank you so much for hanging around through that ad. And if you didn't get the ad, then I hope you enjoyed that beautiful piece from Sergio. That totally not jealous of that ability to ink not something like that. We were just talking while we were off screen there, like in the joy of getting to watch Sergio because he inked that like live on Facebook, and both yep. Nitro and I were in the stream watching him ink it, and it was just phenomenal to watch. And by the way, he did that in twenty minutes, so just throwing yeah. That out there. Like, because that, that piece, like, oh, that must have taken hours. No, he just sat 20 minutes. There and we go. One of the things you said, Sergio, when you were on the panel last time, we were, I, I think everybody who does comics was talking about how fast they work. And I, I can't remember the exact number of pages that you said you did in a month. But it was like a page a day or something like that. Something just crazy. And everybody was just blown away. So you're, you're a speed demon when it comes to inking, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope. It just it just uh, the way it is. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I I enjoy I enjoy to to draw with my inks. I um, I, I understand that um, you know certain inkers they take forever and they very meticulous mm -hmm. ink so precisely and so there are all kinds of different styles out there yeah. and uh, and they all. Um, they, they they all can be considered great mm -hmm. uh, but uh i'm not that kind of inker that would spend too much time on the lines very meticulous and look so geometrically like um advertising looking yeah i i'm not that i i i i see the value of that and i can do that uh, because i've done uh Advertising for DC, I've done uh, advertising for others, and you do need to work your, you know, templates and your precise tools to make everything look neat and vector and all that. But as far as inking, um, generally, I prefer the organic inking style. Because you ink with a brush, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I prefer using yeah. the with the dip pen. But I use digital, repetograph, mm -hmm. whatever does the job for the occasion and the need. And but I I, I prefer the organic mm -hmm. type of inking. And um, the only way that I see that it is it, pleasing to my eye, yeah, the organic inking, uh, and it has to be done in a in a in a, in a certain pace of speed mm -hmm. in order to keep that fluid motion none uh stiffness to it mm. uh, so so that's why i enjoy inking my own because then i don't pencil too tight because i i i want to 
I don't want to get bored join the the <clears throat> going through the paths of the art twice yeah but just indicate to my inking mode you know what I'm what I mean by by this right Sergio <laughs> Sergio to Sergio yes I do so I don't have to go through this on a pencil stage so you go exactly the same way twice and I keep that drawing interesting to me because I am drawing with my inks. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how do you keep yourself from getting, from trying to perfect the image too much, if that makes sense? Like from getting like too fine tuned with an image and just getting to a point where you're, you're satisfied with this and moving on. Like, cause I, I know for me, whatever like, me, go ahead. No, go ahead. What, whatever. I think it looks good to me. And uh, that, that's my choice. Yeah. My, I know a lot of professionals and they're uh, excellent in what they do and people think they're probably better than me but I don't um, and I don't I wouldn't do what they do mm -hmm. because I don't prefer doing what they do yeah I prefer doing stuff that looks good to me uh, so if you if you show me uh, a very detailed drawing of somebody that I think is beautiful and you show Joe Kubert, I most likely prefer Joe Kubert than this beautiful, very tight, very detailed drawing of this phenomenal artist. Mm -hmm. I prefer Joe Kubert. Why? Because it looks good to me. Yeah. I prefer the organic look that I can finish the drawing in my head and I can uh, see enough of it, the, uh, of detail and enough of, of, of negative space in my head to make it to look good to me. Yeah balance of whites and blacks and, and detail but not too much of any of it mm -hmm. uh, so that's my style my preference the way I I, I prefer mm -hmm. I, I don't like uh, a drawing that looks like a like a coloring book that you need you depend on color to make it pop to make it uh, uh, solid and three-dimensional I, I, I enjoy spotting enough blacks and shadows and detail and, and and, and and the gray tones to make the drawing look uh, popping from the yeah. mid-ground, background, etc. And uh, all the elements being separate enough that it's a clear visually that you can make of what is going on. Yeah, that makes sense. They, they, they work so much in the backgrounds, every window, everything. And I think it's unnecessary to me. And I, I think it's, it dis, dis, distracts from the main thing. Yeah. Uh, so I like background to look like background, and supporting the foreground or midground. Uh, so it's it's a matter of choice. Yeah. Uh, and same for the photographer. You know, if you if you if you are a good photographer, you're gonna unfocus the background and focus on the midground or foreground, depending on what you want the people to see. Yeah. What you want the focus to be on, and if everything becomes important. Nothing's important. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's a personal choice. And I've been accused of old timer because of that. Uh, old school. And I don't care. And I, I don't I don't label myself anything. I just enjoy a drawing. Um, and I either like it or I don't. And most drawings that I like they are more organic and yeah. less complicated and have enough space between the elements uh, that is pleasing to me. 
So I wanted to go to back to something that you were saying earlier about just being in the environment, um, like that school environment where people were kind of feeding off each other and like encouraging one another and you're learning. How how big of an importance or how important do you, you think as someone who would like to get or as someone who maybe would want to get into the comic industry or, or creating their own content, like a comic or a graphic novel or a book, how important is it for someone like that to get into an environment like that? Like maybe not at an actual school, but getting around people who, who are pursuing like, like ventures and things like that. It is extremely important in anything you do. Uh, if you like music, you're going to aggregate with musicians. Mm -hmm. If you like construction work, you're going to meet with construction workers. If you like gaming, you want to hang out hang out with gamers. If you like um, jet skiing, you're going to go and meet people who have jet skis and do that. Yeah. Uh, that's basically what you do. And if you want if you're into comics, you should hang out with comic book artists. Uh, so if you have a, an opportunity to go to conventions and hang out with them, do it. If you have an opportunity to go to school with other creative minds, do it. Be because you can learn. Uh, I told you before that I learned more by teaching seven years than to be a student to, for two years. Because um, as an instructor, I had 20 an average of 20 students per class on a class A, B, C, D, E sometimes for seven years. Mm -hmm. um, imagine how many students I had. And a lot of them had a lot to teach me. They, they, had, a lot, they, had, they had a lot to share. Yeah. Because they were very creative. And I could look at their drawing and be inspired. Yeah. And they could look at mine and be inspired. I could... I would bring pages that I was working on for DC Comics, and they were, and I was using the model to post for me for 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 uh, drawings that I needed in a page. I yeah. took of the model, and took advantage of my students to inspire me to do my pages better. Yeah. And and then you you have the opportunity to for someone to look at it while you're working on something, and suggest, Sergio, why don't you try this or wouldn't what about this and that and, and then that cause you to think of adjustment and um, so working with others uh, or in, a, in a an environment that others are working from other projects where you you're, you're able to walk around and see what they're working on like crossgen for example mm -hmm. I had the, the, the opportunity to do work for crossgen that, that that had the same environment as a Marvel bullpen or the, the cuba school mm -hmm. being around other creative minds working on their creative projects and you being in the same time working on yours and taking breaks talking about stuff and looking at each other's stuff and learning from each other yeah that's super interesting that's awesome and just if you mention it as well though like you did work with um, crossgen for a little bit if you can tell us a little bit about what CrossGen was, how you got involved with them, what sort of stuff you worked with, because that's a company that a lot of our viewers and listeners might not really have heard of. 
you know, unfortunately the company closed down a little while ago. Um, so if you can give us a little bit about your time being at CrossGen, because it's one of the kind of the, I don't want to say lesser known companies, but it's one that not everyone might have heard of that you worked with for a little bit. And just yeah, kind of your time there. Was an alternative to the <clears throat> some other types of, of, of comic book that Marvel and DC were not creating. So a lot of creative stories are different genres in different uh, environments uh, that was not being published. And they had a, a lot of creative uh, people in it, writers, colorists, um, pencilers, inkers, that were well known in the business that went to work for CrossGen. And because of my interest in the Cuba school, Andy and Andy Smith, who was a graduate from the Cuba School, uh, and Chuck Dixon, who was a pro uh, already a pro prolific writer in the business, and Bart Sears, they they liked what I did for DC Comics, and they offered me to work for Crossgen. So um, it was a great opportunity to move to Florida quit my teaching at the Cuba school and I love the idea of working on these books with Chuck Dixon writing uh, and being able to uh, work in the same room with other creative people like Andy, Bart, uh, Drew, Geraci, uh, George Perez, uh, and so many, uh, Laura Martin, what? Oh, it was Laura there? I, I forgot now. But um, we had uh, fantastic, well-known, creative people uh, working at, at, at the CrossGen in the same building. And we, we only had to do one page a day. So... Uh, I was like this. I was, I was. It was driving me nuts that I had to just do one page a day. So, um, so at one point, because I, I was there when the boat was already sinking, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. But at the end, I was working on four books simultaneously, and I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, even though I didn't get paid all the way through at the end. But I enjoyed doing what I did, and I enjoy I enjoyed the opportunity to work with the people that I worked with, and um, it was a good experience for me. Yeah, because I mean, like you said, that's a a ton of an amazing creative talent were there, and a lot of amazing people were working with CrossGen, and you know, it's just sad to see that the company did kind of go the way that it did, and and but the experience from that must have been amazing though getting to work like you said getting to work with chuck dixon and him being one of the people that kind of brought you into cross gen another like a a legendary legendary comic writer you know and that in itself must have been phenomenal getting to work alongside him as well as a lot of these other amazing talent and so that experience alone must have been amazing it was it was i loved it and so to kind of jump back a little bit if we can because we kind of like went up to like your time with Marvel and stuff and then we've kind of jumped ahead to like cross gen in between that you worked with this little you know publishing company called DC Comics for a little bit where 
I mean, it'd probably be a shorter list to give the amount of characters that you didn't work on. Like, I was looking at the list of, like, characters you worked on in some shape or form while at DC, and pretty much every major character at some point you had worked on there. How did you make that transition into working with DC Comics, and how did you end up... Because, like, you, from what was a fairly minimal position with Marvel, you became a pretty predominant creator with DC in your time there. Um, yes. Working on some of the some of the biggest characters up to fairly recently, you know, it wasn't that long ago some of these books came out. And how did your time at DC go? How did that transition happen? And how did you get to work on these amazing characters? Um, when I was when I was when I was young, uh, fourteen, I was doing characters for the same newspaper that I did my comic strip, Federico. Which, Detective. by the way, to the chat, I'm throwing up a picture of Federico. I threw him up earlier. I found one picture when I searched for this <laughs> character. And it's like a screenshot from a video you put up on YouTube like forever ago, Sergio, of Federico, who is definitely a baby spirit um, yeah. influence. <laughs> but I wanted to just throw him up and just show him to the, the chat there. But please continue, sir. Yes, so I... I loved Mo Drucker's characters for Mad Magazine, so, and I loved doing characters. I, I I drew a lot of characters for the newspaper, so I was published as a character character artist at the age of fourteen. Mm. Um, and I loved doing characters. I did bar mitzvahs and weddings <clears throat> while I was attending the Cuba school. On weekends, I did a lot of characters for. Sometimes Honda or uh, weddings or bar mitzvahs, and um, and it's something that I enjoyed do doing o uh, over the years. And and I, I remember taking my 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 work to Mad Magazine, and they told me, "Oh, we didn't need a lot more Drucker." Um, so I that door was closed. But I kept drawing characters uh, every place I went to on my for my own fun at Marvel bullpen every time we had somebody somebody's birthday Virginia would allow us to go take that person to lunch and took a you know two two hour lunch and I would draw a character of the person so I, I drew Dave Sharp was one of the ghost letterers and Pat Carey he was the editor or assistant editor to Daredevil comic and whether Pat had some uh, more drinks that that he should uh, or not, he told me based on this character at the at the restaurant, I'm I'm gonna give you work tomorrow. Like okay, so he gave me uh, Daredevil to work on uh, on the Ralph Macchio's office, and Pat left um, to go work for DC Comics. And he loved my work, so he offered me Deathstroke for DC. Uh, under, uh, I mean, uh, um, over Mark Wolfman's scripts. Wow. <laughs> that's that's why I, I got working for, because at the bullpen, I had to quit the bullpen because I was busy doing comics for Marvel uh, and DC, so I had to quit the bullpen to, to draw comics. Mm -hmm. uh, and also to go back to teach twice a week at the Cuba school. Um, but 
you know, Deathstroke was one of them, and I, I, I drew Deathstroke for one year. Did um, a man called Axe? I did um, some mini series: Chuck Dixon, Bo Smith, uh, Wildcat, Catwoman, uh, Batman, Wildcat. Uh, I did some Superman stuff. Did. Uh, Uh, Asriel, Batman, Legends of Dark Knight. I did a, a lot, of, a lot of work for DC Comics because one job led to another, and that's how I got to to work for DC. Uh, based on that one character that gave me the Daredevil story, then it, it was like a domino effect. That's crazy. Yeah, like it's. It was like a domino effect. Like the list of characters you've done at DC, like you said, like Batman, Superman, Flash, Deathstroke, Guy Gardner, Steel, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Blue Beetle, Azrael were just like some in the basic list of like here's some of the characters that Sergio has done with DC Comics, and it's just phenomenal that 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 all came from essentially one lunch. You know where you do a caricature and done that for um, a gift and it basically spurred on from there getting to work like you said daredevil and into that that's that's amazing that that opened that door like it's kind of like it just makes me think like you said like exactly as you were saying at the beginning like everything is connected everything is almost like you know it's almost like the force like you said is like everything is that connected to each other and there's someone that's like setting your path up and guiding your path and i'm like in you would never think these small steps lead to certain things. Exactly. You know, and just and even just the spur on of like, you know, like you reading comics as a kid or you, you know, going to the Joe Kubert school, you've seen the advertisement, like, I need to go there. But even just something simple, like they were offering like the ghost letter position at Marvel and like nobody wanted it. And I'm almost thinking in my head, like, see if they knew this was the potential that could have came from something like that they'd be kicking themselves today like just something simple like that that seems like a nothing job opened that next door which opened the next door which opened the next door it's you could never have imagined the path that it took and it's just it's phenomenal to like kind of look back at your career and see all these little connections led you into all these amazing positions it's honestly phenomenal to look at now if you look at it the way that i got the action by for example was because during my my time at the Cuba school, I that's cool. <laughs> um, I did a drawing for Alex Stevens' "Going to God" comic book, and it was Jesus carrying the huge cross. Uh, he asked me to draw a drawing. I did that. I, I was inspired to do that, and wow. that drawing, uh, "Prophets and Parables" by the Christian Art Society, and then I did something with that drawing. And more pages to uh, Nate Butler's uh, Comics 35 Latin competition thing, which I won. And those Christian publications, they were uh, published out there. And when David C. Cook was looking for somebody to revamp the old picture Bible from the 70s, which I loved and I had in Brazil when I was a kid, black and white, Andrea LeBlanc. Look, I had the di uh, small version, black and white, and looking through 
it was one of the things that I looked and inspired me and said, one day I might want to do this as well. <clears throat> uh, because of that drawing that I did for Alec and because David C. Cook had published something in the 70s that I enjoyed and they saw my drawing when they were looking for somebody to revamp that 1970 publication, they they said, I, I think we found our artist. So it's all wow. interconnected. And they, they asked me, do you want to revamp this? I said, yes. <laughs> Even though the details, I said yes right away. Because so my passion, my, my what I told you before, I knew it. It was mine. It's like... Um, we are, we're constantly tempted because in, we live in a world of competition, and 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 because we live in a world of competition, uh, you might want my job and my I might want yours. Mm -hmm. So you go to the Cuban school, you know, we we all we all wanting the same position. We all want to swim in that small pool. Mm -hmm. So it's like whoever swims uh, the, the 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 struggle for the fittest, you know, right? Uh, if I can, you know, push you down the water and and and. And, uh, and so I can go in, whatever. We have that sense of competition. But I remember a student uh, asking me once, um, I said, Sergio, aren't you afraid that you are teaching us to get your job tomorrow? And I remember answering that, no, because my belief is this. What is mine is mine. And you will not take it. Mm -hmm. What is yours will be yours. And I will not be able to take that from you. That's what I believe. So whether that's true when you had or not, it doesn't concern me. Um, as long as I have peace of mind, <laughs> that I have my faith in what I believe, yeah. that makes the way I move, the way I act, the way I live, I'll be happy and you'll be miserable if you think other way. Um, yeah. So instead of getting frustrated because I didn't get a certain job, I should get happy that I didn't because it was not mine. And get happy when I get something because it was mine. So that's the way I believe, and that's the way it has worked for me. I'm almost 60, and it has been pretty good so far. Uh, I have not, life has not proven wrong to me yeah, yet. I see, I see it's gone pretty well for you. Yeah. <laughs> Swinging a hit. <laughs> yes. You know, but yeah, and. Honestly, yeah, that's a, it's a really inspirational view to kind of look at. Because so often today we get caught up in that mentality, I feel like, of we get angry at other people's success. Right. We get angry that other people get something and you're like, well, that should have been me. Why didn't I get that? Or why am I not being that successful? Or why is that not coming my way? And it's like, it's simple. It's not meant to. At least not in that way, not in the shape and form it happened for that person. That's their journey, you're on yours. You know, it's like your journey to being the creator you are is a very different journey from everyone else. Mm -hmm. Even other creators that have gotten to work with Marvel and DC and Dynamite and some of these big companies, they all have their own paths and their own journeys and their own way to get there as did you. And you doing something that wasn't meant for you wouldn't be successful as the stuff that you've done and vice versa. And yeah, it's hard. I, I know that as, as a, uh, as somebody who doesn't believe in God, he would be taught that it's, you gotta believe in you yeah. and you gotta pick up for number one, you, and you have to, uh, fight for you. 
and and win the race. So you, 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 so you. So it, it, when you doesn't fit and doesn't help, doesn't happen. Um, it's understandable that you may go get drunk, get dr in drugs and kill yourself. Uh, but if you uh, believe that there is a purpose for you, that somebody else is thinking of you, that somebody else is planning for you, somebody else is reserving for you, it makes you kind of relax a little bit. So you don't relax too much. You act as if it depends on you, but you trust that one that will be responsible for the ending results. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think that's it. I think it's that that faith is an amazingly different factor because like you're talking about like if you don't have that belief in God and Jesus and you don't have that stance of like that he's helping guide your life and helping you through it yeah all this stuff comes on to you like I need to do this and I need to be successful I need to do this I need to accomplish this and get here and make money and do it that's a lot of stress and pressure for one person to take on for their own life you know, when you actually think about the ins and outs of it, and it's like, well, actually, no, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's in God's hands. Yeah, we have to play our part, and we have to make our choices. Like you said, you know, God presented you the opportunities, but, like, if you had said no to going to the Joe Cooper school, or said no to taking the Ghost Letter job at Marvel, or no to jumping over to DC, like, yeah, you could have said no to those things. That, that is perfectly your choice to have done that but yeah this stuff was set out like God saying hey I've got this for you I've got something I need you to do and each thing like you start to realise has a knock on effect to leading to the next thing and and like you said you know as a kid reading the, the original action bible and having that dream of like this is going to be mine and to think like all those years later all those little things built up to you know, getting to revamp this book. And not just revamp it, but, like, this book is... Like, I think I said it when we done the panel back in November, like, when I was a youth leader in Scotland, like, I, I remember the youth carrying this. I remember all the young people in our youth group with this Bible in hand. I remember their minds been blown at the fact there was a comic Bible that they could get. You know, it's like it's, it wasn't something that had ever been presented to them before, and then all of a sudden, this is on the shelves, and they're like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" And um, you can you can tell as well, like looking at this, you can tell this was a passion project. This is something you love, Sergio. Like, I mean, the artwork is phenomenal. Like, I'm just literally pulling up a random page here, and just I mean, look at some of this artwork. Just, just a simple random page I've came to and it's like, the art works as good as anything that Sergio's put out for any other company he's worked for. You know, if I, not better. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I was I was, I was was loving working on it. Simultaneously, I was doing the Lone Ranger and I was doing something for Son of, uh, Son of Samson in a totally different style. Mm. But I, I, I enjoy what the opportunity provided me with and the uh, fact that because I I did the action Bible said yes to uh, open other doors for different Christian publishers yeah. that are able to participate collaborate mm -hmm. 
with and to the point that I uh, did not have to struggle to find a pool, a spot in the pool of Marvel DC Comics and other publishers. Um, so it's great to be able to be busy enough that I don't need to beg for work elsewhere. That's yeah. Uh, um, so um, it works for me. And that's the thing, you know, uh, I understand that people can get frustrated in the business because it's a tough business to break into. Yeah. And over and over and it never happens. And many give up and just become something else and do something else. Um, it's part of life. And I'm not God. I'm not your God. I, I don't know your plan and his plan for you or your plan if you have any and your relationship or the lack of. I don't know. I just know me. I just know my, my story. Yeah. And uh, I don't understand everything. And I don't have answers for everything. I just know what it worked for me and how it did work for me. And I share what works for me. Uh, but I don't know uh, much else uh, other than uh, fate, destiny, and lack of discipline, whatever, uh, a mix of, uh, and good luck, bad luck. You know, uh, I, I I know the God of the the, the of the luck. <laughs> yeah. So that has part in everybody's life, you know. Uh, but if you believe in something, you act on it. Mm -hmm. If you believe in something, you 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 behave accordingly, and your reaction your, your reaction is based on that as well, mm -hmm. and and your decisions are based on that as well, and everything becomes a part of. Uh, the methods or the the steps by which you take or not to reach and to get somewhere it's a number of combination of things just like a GPS uh, guidance that you know I'm on point a I want to go to point B and then you ask Siri uh, get me there mm -hmm. and if I get lost there is a recalculation and sometimes it will get longer but I'll get there Sometimes there's an accident in the middle, and I I'm, I can't go there. Yeah. So if I believe in something, uh, it 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 helps my mind, the peace of mind. Okay. It didn't happen because it didn't have to. It couldn't happen now. I have to wait. Uh, there's something else for me. Something something else in store for me. Uh, so I don't know. I I just know that. You know, sometimes we go out and we step on poop. <laughs> yeah. And other times we go out and you step on, on gold. Yeah. That happens. Uh, so, it, it, I mean, we all suffer. Yeah. I have sickness. You do too. I have struggles. You do too. I suffer. You suffer. I I, I doubt. You doubt. I, I, I fear sometimes. I, I struggle. I'm... I'm confused sometimes, but in the overall scheme of things, if I look back and look at all the things, how they lined up, to me, there's no other way to think the way I do, to me. Uh, so that how I base my everyday living uh, to go on. Uh, do I make everything, um, do, do I understand that everything that I want, I, I, I will get? No, I, I won't. And did everything that I dream of happen? No. 
but um, I've had a pretty much share of uh, good and bad, and all part of living and learning, and and it's it's it's, it's our lot in life, you know. Sometimes uh, we have a thorn in the flesh, like Paul, uh, and we ask to remove it, and it does that that doesn't get removed, and it says, "My grace is sufficient." I, I don't know the answers to every struggle, but one thing I know is um, we must stay one day at a time. Uh, we can't uh, allow the future to rob our present. And and we can't deny the past that made us what we are. And we can't deny that we sow what we reap. Mm-hmm. And you, if you plant, that's what you get. If you plant potato, you get potato. And that, that's the sort, sort of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I kind of want to start wrapping this up now because that's, that's been the quickest two-hour show we have ever done in our lives. No. Um, that time has just honestly flown by with Sergio today. Um, one Sergio, last thing. I really appreciate you coming on today, man. It's yeah. Really it means a lot. One last thing I wanted to mention as well. We were talking about the Action Bible. Um, recently released, it is now available, but... There is also um, the Action Bible Heroes and Villains has just recently released as well. Um, right. I've got that up on screen for people to have a look at. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? That's one of your more recent projects. If you can just... like, What's the difference between the Action Bible and then Heroes and Villains? What, are, what would you oh, get the, out of that? And, a collection of various stories in a comic book format. Uh, the, the reason why we had the, the extended edition of the Action Bible from 2010 is what I told you before of public demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Action Bible success is so humongous, um, you know, people wanted more, and the publisher wanted more, and they asked me to, to do more, and I did more. I wanted to do more. So it's always great to have derivatives of the Action Bible brand, yeah. which I'm a... Um, and it's great that they keep hiring me to do more derivatives from the Action Bible brand. The, super, the heroes and, and villains is like a... You know those Marvel who's who? Mm, yeah. That's something in the, in the, in the sorts of uh, a dictionary of the characters of the Bible. So it helps the readers to get to know who is in the Bible. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a really cool concept for something to do for it. That's really they, awesome. Always uh, black and white defined. Sometimes you know the, you don't know who if they're heroes or if they're villains, but they're certainly part of the, the, the big picture. Uh, and so I enjoy the success of anything I do, of course. I, if you do something that's successful, you do a sequel. Mm-hmm. And you do another, another, and you keep doing it until you, you run out of ideas and you work on some new well, idea. Well, it's an awesome idea of what to do next because that was the kind of thing like that would have freaked me out then like oh this is a real success we need something else from you I'm like it's the Bible how do I do a sequel to the Bible yeah. it's not really possible and I'm like but this is a really awesome direction to kind of take it as a more character study of certain characters and introductions to them and it's a really really cool concept it's intense uh, and the actual Bible is certainly not uh, 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 the complete Bible they're mm. just stories oh yeah so a sequel well we keep doing more stories although uh, I, I will say though in saying that like 
the actual huh? Bible, like it's not the entire Bible, but like the amount no. of stories that you get in here are right. is amazing. Like, well, there's a lot of more. Uh, it all depends on. See, he um, and here's another thing. The only time that I created something was Federico mm-hmm. when I was eleven. But after that, everything I've done is from somebody else. Yeah. So when people should do this, you should do that. I said, fantastic idea. Uh, uh, the thing is, I didn't have time to wake up yet and work on my own stuff. I've been busy enough all my life doing stuff for other people. Yeah. And in time, I'm able to, to make a living yeah. and buy my toys. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, and for anyone that's in chat as well, I've just put in the links there for um, the Action Bible and for Heroes and Villains. Um, so go ahead, click on those links and check those out for yourselves and pick up your own copies. Um, well worth checking out. Won't be, won't be disappointed. Like the story's obviously phenomenal because we know it is. It's the Bible. Some amazing stories in there, and some of it is just really punctuated with Sergio's like phenomenal art style as well. Yeah. Thank um, you so much. I have <clears throat> constant requests to do stuff that I don't have time to do. Um, I just can't. You know. Uh, I don't want to do it. Sometimes I don't have time to do it. Sometimes I'm busy enough that I don't need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, uh, I can only do so much. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, I, I have things in the back burner waiting. Um, uh, people still want to do it. Well, I can't do it right now because I have this, this, this. So I'm always working on a few things simultaneously. And I can't talk about it because they don't have, uh, they haven't released me to talk about it. And yeah. they will, uh, sometimes I work on stuff that I have no idea when they, when it's going to come out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I see it published and I say, Oh, I didn't even know that was out. And I worked on this, uh, two years ago. Uh, but I'm, I'm constantly busy. Thank God. Uh, it's not a bad problem to have no, being constantly in demand, you know? Right, I, I, of course, I'd love to do more DC Marvel, but uh, it's not like I'm. Please give me something. I need to do something. Uh, no, I, I. There's always room for more, of course, and I'll choose which one is better. So my likings, my preferences, whatever. Uh, but um, it's tough sometimes, you know. I gotta. I gotta uh, juggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven simultaneous things that I'm working to, uh, at the same time, and 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 I get some clients. Oh, can you do that by then? I said, no, I can't because I, I gotta finish this. That's huge, and and but at, at this, and then we go on like that, you know. Yeah. And I'm not a studio. Like I don't have people working for me to sign for me. I do all, all my work. Uh, I subcontract uh, colorists and letterers, but I don't subcontract pencilers and inkers. Yeah, you're too right. You shouldn't with your ability. Like, is but yeah, that's amazing though. Like, you're you're in a position that very few like comic book creators at any level are at, where it's you're in such high demand for stuff now that you can basically almost like pick and choose what you want to work on what works best for you what projects yeah. stand out to you and 
you know, say, you're like, yeah, I'd love to work on that, but it would have to be in the back burner because I'm working on this that I'm doing at the moment. And there's so many people that would love to break into the comic book industry and are just clambering for work and just grasping for work. And you're in this amazing position that, yeah, you're blessed to say, like, yeah, I can literally pick and choose whatever comes across my table now what I want to do. You know, if something hits my table that I really want to work on, I I'll, I can get to work on it if I want to. You know. Yeah. Sometimes, um, I need to do something that I I don't prefer much, but um, but it's good for business. Yeah. It pays the bill, so it, it, you have to juggle different things. You know. Uh, uh, some jobs are not the ideal fantastic but they pay well uh, and sometimes pay more than other things that you enjoy more so it's it's a balance you got to balance uh, your choices and be very wise you have to be wise as a serpent simple like a dove and that's biblical wisdom for you yeah no absolutely how to live each and every day. I, I, I pray a lot. I, I, I still study God's word. I lead worship. I, you know, I, I'm in constant rejuvenating my spirit and soul and faith. My base, my foundation is constantly having to be uh, reduced. Just like this iPhone is being charged right now so we don't lose power and it, it stopped working. So we got to constantly keep working our, our soul and, and minds and spirit and, and body. Uh, so I, I paddle five miles a day. I'm, I'm getting old and I'm, I can't do things I used to do when I was 20. So I got to watch what I eat. I, there's constantly so many decisions you have to make in life as you get older. Um, so it's, it's not an easy life. Yeah, it's good to make the right choices, to have fun, to do something, enjoy if you can, and uh, and give God the glory, and bless as many as you can, and uh, sometimes you know swallow your pride and do certain things that you you wouldn't do, but it's okay, you do it, and yeah. you so it's like life. You know. Absolutely. Well, on that note, as much as I would love to keep talking, this is this has been an amazing stream, honestly, just to sit back and like let Sergio just talk and just hear yes. all about this amazing man's career. But we do have to wrap up. But thank you so much, Sergio, for coming on the show today and talking with us and just sharing your life with us. Such a phenomenal career and so cool. such an amazing to hear, such an amazing career and all the glory still going to God on that. And for the phenomenal career that you've had so thank you so much for coming and hanging out with the two of us and letting us just sit here quietly and listen to these phenomenal stories it's, it's been honestly amazing to do Like honestly that's been the quickest podcast we've ever done that time flew by today yeah, uh, but thank you so much for everyone in chat um, I threw the links in there already for the Action Bible and for Heroes and Villains um, but I'm going to throw in the links there where you can go and check out Sergio across all of social media. There's 
links to his website, his Facebook page, his Twitter, his Instagram, his YouTube channel. Go and follow and like and subscribe and whatever to all of these different social medias. If you're not following this man already, what are you doing with your life? Go and check out all his stuff. You will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed with the stuff that you get to see there. But thank you so much, Sergio. This has honestly been such a pleasure, sir. Thank you, you and everyone. So God bless you and let's keep moving on for him. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Amen. Amen. Um, so Sergio, we're going to do our little wrap up and kind of tell everyone what's coming up this week from us and um, all that sort of stuff. If you need to duck out, by all means, you can head out or you can hang about just while we do that. It's completely up to yourself, sir. Um, but we're just going to do our little wrap up and then we'll be um, closing out. Okay. Okay. Wrap up. All right. Um, so thank you to everyone who's came and hung out with us today this has been amazing our podcast will of course be back next Sunday um, at 2 o'clock Eastern Time where we will be hanging out with Brian Hollingsworth of Brainy Pixel and Ivan Anaya of Mercyway Studios as we talk about um, their next issue and their amazing project they've been working on Chronicles of Faith David uh, they've been on the show talking about it before but the Indiegogo has just gone live recently uh, for issue number two of that so they're going to be coming on to talk to us a little bit about that and where the Chronicles of Faith series is going because it's hitting some good marks and I think they're looking to expand it so we're going to get to talk to them they're frequent flyers with us at this point you've probably yeah. seen us talking to them at some point in the channel so they will be here next week this week and uh, we also have coming up tomorrow night at 8 30 Eastern my lovely wife Jay will be back um, following her hand surgery that put her out of commission last week and she will be finishing up Bioshock 2 and um, the playthrough of that she is desperate to finish that like it's been like since Christmas since she's been able to get on and finish that game she is desperate for it and uh, so she'll be back tomorrow night with that I will be back at my new time of Tuesday nights because I have a brand new job so my evenings are free for the first time in two years, I have free evenings to do stuff. So I will What's be coming evening? on on Tuesday night, taking Nitro's old spot now that he's moved his. I'm going to jump sure. in there and, and nick that. Um, so I'll be starting at 8.30 on Tuesday evening, kicking off my playthrough of Batman Arkham City. Not played that game pretty much since it came out, so come and watch me fail horribly and pretend to know what I'm doing for a couple of hours. Nitro will be back on Thursday night at 8.30. Yep. We'll be doing some art something you, sh you sure you're not going back into yeah, the lawnmower positive, simulator positive. You sure? yeah we're definitely not doing the lawnmower simulator anymore. i'm just saying like you could do some art i mean it's not like we need art for the the stream or anything like that or there's all a couple right, of things right. to do it's, I'm just right. saying just saying just saying <laughs> <laughs> um but definitely come and check out with him and then we've got a brand new stream that we're um launching officially you know that we love playing sea of thieves we are awful at it but we love it um, but on Friday night, we will be officially kicking off um, our weekly playthrough of Sea of Thieves, starting, I believe I'm going to start at about 8 o'clock. Um, are you going to be able to join us for this first one, Nitro, or are you Possibly. busy this week? I got, I got family coming in this week, so we shall see. I'll let you know, though. Yeah, absolutely keep me updated. Um, so this is a weekly thing that I will likely be able to do every week, apart from if something comes up. Nitro's um, schedule is a bit more chaotic with family and stuff, so it's like he's not going to be there every single week. But it is something we want to open up to the comic clan. If you are a fan of Sea of Thieves or you like playing it, if you've got the game, want to join us, we can have up to a four-man crew. So there are spots open. So if you want to jump in 
I know Chunk, who was here in chat earlier, he already messaged me saying he wants to get in on a game at some point, so we'll definitely get him in. Nice. So if you want to get part of that, drop us a message. But that's everything going for this week. I say that like we're not doing that much. We've got we're stuff pretty <laughs> much every day at this point. We're almost in a daily thing. Um, but thank you so much to everyone who came out and hung out with us today. Thank you so much for your questions. Thank you for... Uh, coming and yeah. joining us awesome. we are actually going to raid out to a friend of the channel um, Gamingly Challenge, you actually heard him last week, he was playing golf with your friends with us last week, he is a really super cool dude, he is not a family friendly streamer, I'm going to point that out right now if you go in there, the man may cast me, say some stuff that's a bit more than family friendly so just be aware of that, but he is a good friend of the channel, we absolutely love him and we want to go and show some love to him Um will the raid command work for a change no nope never does <sighs> raid command sucks so much it never works <laughs> never ever works uh all right hold on. if you have access to go. these emotes there we go nitro's got it and copy and paste that in his chat when we go over there let's burden him with some love this week and I can't even copy and paste it myself. Ah, it's going horribly wrong. What's happening? Go away. <laughs> My chat is just like going weird. I don't know what happened there. But we're going to go show him some love. We're going to go and drop him a raid. So please uh, come over, hang out with us till we raid him. Go and drop him um, a follow if you're not already following him. And we will see you all again tomorrow night. And remember, guys, it is a good week to be a geek. Take care, and we'll see you soon. This is real. See you guys. Oh. 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 Oh.